All right, good morning, church family. My name is Richard Lombardini. I've been a member of this church for about four years. Um, I've lived in San Antonio for about five. I'm a part of the singles, 30s, and 40s group, a very active and lively group. Um, I teach uh, the most beloved subject of physics uh, at St. Mary's University. Yay! I heard some yays. Thank you. Uh, the scripture reading uh, comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 31 to 34. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar, and all it contains. Let the field exult, and all that is in it. Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. All right, we start off the service with the greatest hymn ever. It's Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, number 15. It's got a great version here. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. How awesome is that? Let's stand up, let's celebrate.
Good job. Folks, you've got friends around you that need a warm hello, so would you go and do that? Greet each other. And welcome to First Baptist Church this morning. We are so glad you are here. And if you're a guest this morning, let me just speak this word of invitation to you at the close of this service as God gives you grace and you understand his call, come join this church. Come join us and serve the Lord with us in the center of this city. We'd be glad to have you. Um, whether that's to, for you today or not, if you are a guest, we'd just like to know your name. There's a sense of Christian hospitality at work here, and we just want to know you and love you. So please let us know that you're here visiting with us. And now to the gathered family. Welcome, you guys. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for gathering week by week here to shout the name of Jesus in the center of this city. It's a privilege that we do together. We are many places today. Uh, the mission heart of this church is all over the world. There's a team in Uganda a team in Jemez, New Mexico, a team in Seattle, a team just back from the Dominican Republic and the U Ukraine. So Aaron and Seth are with the Chapel Singers. Chris Johnson is in New Mexico. Thank you, Jesus, Mark Schmeltikoff, and Mark Rogers for being with us today. It's going to be a remarkable day. I'm glad you're here with us. So read the scripture with me, and then we'll pray. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. One more time. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, may every soul that's in this sanctuary today, every person that watches us via the internet, live stream, through television, may each one of us say at the close of this hour that we have been with you, that the supernatural presence of the very real God, the very loving God, the very firm and strong God came near and our souls dealt with you today. That's our dearest hope. It's the one thing that would strengthen us up against the world's fears. So, Lord Jesus, be honored in this place, beautiful and strong. You are sufficient for everything we face. Help us to know you today, and we pray it in your name. Amen. Deliver thee. Here's the crown. 
Don't be seated. Don't be seated. Stay up. Stay up. I think you can do better than that. I really do. The world needs to know there's a God who's active and involved. He's stronger than anything you're facing. No instruments. Sing that last verse again. Smile. Sing it. Say this. Say this song. Hey, Sue, lead us one more time. Children of the congregation, would you come join me? Let's talk together. While they gather, I just want to say a word of greeting to those of you who join us by way of television today and by internet stream. In the mercy of God, this church has begun to be a blessing all over the world. People watching in in real time with us and then later in the week. So welcome to you. Thank you for your support and your prayers as we seek the Lord together. Good morning. Everybody good? One day when I was a boy, my grandfather... Oh, come, come, come. We have time. Come, we want you here too. Come on in, everybody. One day when I was a boy, um, my grandfather came to visit our home. And I was very small, so my mom sent me on to bed before anybody else. And... When uh, after I was asleep, my grandfather took off his coat and he hung it on the door of my bedroom door and he put his hat on top of it. And so I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought that was a man standing there in my room. And it looked like a man. He had a coat and a hat. and, And I thought, there's a man in this room. And it made me so afraid. And I thought, what, what do I do? So here's what I thought. I thought, I'm going to be really still because if he thinks I'm asleep, he won't hurt me. Okay? So I, I just stayed there like this, and I kept looking at that man to see. And eventually I thought, that's not going to work. I need some help here. So I said, Dad, Dad. And he said, what is it, son? I said, can you come in here? And my dad got out of his, came in, and he flipped on the light. And I thought, oh, that wasn't a man at all. It was just a coat and a hat. It was just, I didn't need to be afraid. <laughs> but I didn't know I didn't need to be afraid till somebody flipped on the light. Now, there's a, a man in the Bible. His name is David. And he said, that's what God does for me. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. I'm just not going to be afraid anymore. Are you ever afraid? Ever afraid? One of the things that you have to learn to do is look up to God and let him be your light, your help, so that he takes that fear from being in charge of your life. We're going to talk about that today. When I am afraid, I'm going to look to God, and he's going to turn the light on and show me I don't have to be afraid. Okay? 
David said that, and I'm, I'm going to pray for you, okay? Here we go. Let's pray. Father, I pray for these boys and girls uh, that special grace that they would learn early to think on you and not be afraid. You are good. You are near. You are strong. And the world teaches us to be afraid, but you teach us not to be. So for these boys and girls, for their parents, for everybody watching on television, I pray that gift in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're glad you guys are here. Thanks for the coming. Our next hymn is, He Hideth My Soul. This is a, a Lord who hides my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He covers me with his hand. This is a great, a wonderful hymn of assurance. So let's stand and let's praise. Let's do this.
Please be seated. Wow. 
Okay, now he did well. You're about to need to do well, okay? We're going to stand, and I want you to read the scripture with such boldness in your voice that the person next to you really knows that you believe it. Let's stand and read God's word. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of all, I shall be confident. Thank you. Be seated and open a Bible, please, to the 27th Psalm. Psalm 27. If you're a little new to the Bible, the Psalms are always in the center. Find the center of the Bible and find Psalm number 27. Read the Bible, Jesus did, and one of the things that you'll gain is a new set of friends. Ancient people, you can't meet them at Starbucks, but they will still speak into your life. They will encourage you. They will teach you a path that you wouldn't otherwise see, these ancient friends. And whether it was David or Daniel, whether it's Ruth or Rahab, all the people in this book are basically giving the same testimony at least at one point. They are saying, don't, know, don't just know about God, walk with God, and life will be better. Don't just know about him, walk with him, and your life will be better. The way we encounter this in Jesus, our Savior, he would say very early in his ministry to people, follow me, follow me. Now, that's a foreign idea to autonomous people. We think I get to set the direction for my own life. I get to make my own choices. It is impossible to do that, to walk with Jesus or undesirable, we would say. Even so, here's Jesus setting a very different gospel in place. Come with me. Join your life to mine and life will be better. Let me set the direction of your life. That's what Jesus is whispering to you this morning. Join your life to mine. Melt the boundaries that used to separate us into two different individuals. It's like marriage. Become one with me. That's been the gospel all along. And all of the testimonies in the scripture are trying to get you to perceive, oh, that's been the message God's been trying to get to me my whole life. Come join your life to mine. Walk with me and your outcomes will be better. Wednesday was the 4th of July. Thank you, Aaron Hufty and the music ministry for an excellent family 4th celebration. Thank you, Lord, for the rain that we needed so much that kept the family 4th smaller than normal. But all in all, it was a wonderful day. If it was a good thing years ago for 13 colonies to declare their independence from King George... It was a bad thing when humans declared their independence from God. That was the collapse and the cancer of the whole race. 
all of a sudden, sin separated us from the very source of our protection and our life. We became independent units. We lived by our own choices and wills and desires and direction. And so, in Christ, God is restoring what was broken from the start. He is asking you, come, put your life back in mine. Let us walk together for the rest of your days and into eternity. One thing for certain, I don't know when that day will be that you will discover that powerful new way to live. Perhaps today, God help us. But the day you enter into that covenant with Christ, the first sign will be a, an increasing confidence about life. The sign that you have made this step will be that you will begin to have confidence in the way you live. You used to be afraid afraid of financial instability, afraid of cancer, afraid of disease, afraid of death, afraid of national calamity, you used to live in fear. And all of a sudden, this new oneness with Christ teaches you a confidence, and you see the ebbing power of fear in your life. You still feel, feel fear, yes, but you aren't paralyzed by it anymore. Something deeper in your heart is now in charge. That's what the Sanhedrin noticed in that Acts 4 passage. Peter and John they have no business being confident. They have nothing that would make you be confident. They have no seminary degree. They have no money. They have no influence. They have no army. They have no status. And yet here were these radiantly confident men. And the, the Sanhedrin said... The only way that's possible is that they have spent time with Jesus. They have learned this confidence, this attitude toward life and all things in a supernatural way through Jesus Christ. Uh, it is a supernatural restoration that most of us need. It is a healing deep within the heart. You cannot have part of the gospel and expect it to have any of its power. You cannot believe about Jesus. In fact, friends, until you have joined your life to his, you have not heard the gospel at all, and you cannot expect for it to have the appropriate power in your life. The first sign will be this growing supernatural sense that life is going to be okay because of the presence of Christ in your life. David, a thousand years before Peter and John, had the same testimony, exact same testimony. He had many friends, but he had many enemies. I was thinking this morning, I don't, I've had troubles in my life, but I've never had people chasing me down trying to murder me. That's a kind of a different category of fear altogether. Sleepless nights for this man. He had people who hated him and were trying to murder him. And over time, he began to understand the secret of how to navigate his relationship with Christ into a fearless attitude toward even those remarkable dangers. Gradually, he learned the secret. He learned to trust. Look at verse 3. Though a host encamp around me, my heart will not fear. Though the war rise up against me, in spite of this, I will be confident. Which is, I'm a little sad because of that English translation. Because it, this translation translates that as a to be verb. And it's not in Hebrew. In Hebrew, it is an active verb. Here's what he really says. 
Though a host encamp around me, yet I will trust. I perceive the character and goodness of God. I perceive that he is worthy of my trust. And I am going to trust him. And I'm going to live out all of the implications of that stance. I am going to stand up on that rock that will not shift underneath my feet. I'm going to trust him. No matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to trust him. That's what David is telling us on this day. Um, I will take into my life a new center and a new certainty that God is good, that he will defend me the way he has promised to do so, and I will live on that rock the rest of my days. Now, friends, maybe you have taken that step in the past, and maybe you have been beaten off of it by your fears, and you could take it again today. But I ask you honestly, is that where you are standing today? Have you so perceived the character and personality of this invisible God you perceive that he is worthy to be trust and trusted, and you have taken your stand right there. You have said, I will trust you. I will believe what you've said in the scripture. I will believe what you've communicated in your son. That's where I'm going to stand the rest of my life. When David did that, the fears scurried out of his tent like cockroaches. He, he realized the power of this, that once... You settle your focus and your attention on God that fears don't have the same sort of power over you anymore. Would you like to live in that confidence? Would you like to rediscover the way God wanted every human to live and the provision he's made for you in Jesus Christ to live without those fears? There's a process here. Um, nobody gets there immediately. David's going to tell you sort of the, the way he got there. Look in verse 8. Start with 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, be gracious to me and answer me. Seek my face, says a voice, and my heart said to thee, I will. I wish you could read this in Hebrew. It's very abrupt. In the middle of a prayer time one day. David's talking to God about all these problems. And God speaks to him and says, David, seek my face. Seek me. Um, I'm talking about this. And he says, seek me. What you need is really not what you think you need. It's not this thing that you're asking for. What you really need is me. So turn your attention to a different search. Stop searching for this or that or what you wish you had or knew you needed. Come find me. I'm going to say it to you as clearly as I can, everybody. This morning, what you need, what your family needs, what this nation needs, is not what you thought. It is for a real conversation with the living God. You need to turn your face toward him with all of your sins and all of your problems. You need to come into his presence and seek his face. Hand, a lot of us seek his hand of help. What we don't seek is his face, which would be his smile of approval, his sense of really knowing him, a personal relationship with him. Most of us in this room know what it is to pray 
until we get what we wanted or until we smile. What David is presenting is I want you to pray until he smiles, until he gets what he wants. Pray until you see the Father go right there. That was what we needed to talk about. That was where I needed your heart to get. You, you pray until you seek his face, not your own smile or your own approval. If the Lord is what you want, what you discover is that fears have less and less power over your life. If what you want is the Lord, then this or that just seems to have, they seem to be ex, exterior to the real search and the certainty of your life. Okay, number one, seek his face. And by the way, <laughs> have you ever been interrupted in prayer? Have you ever, the Lord breaks in and he says, seek my face. And David doesn't say, later I'm praying. He says, oh, okay, I will. He's immediately ready to adjust. Prayer for him is this dynamic, really inter interchange with a very living God. And so as God speaks to him. David adjusts course and says, okay, I, I get it. I will begin to seek your face. Number two, stay at it. Verse four, he says, one thing I've asked from the Lord. I don't have multiple goals now in life. I just have one. Look this way, that my life might be joined to his. Now, again, this is very unusual for the autonomous self and even for the American way. We've been taught I have the right to choose my independent life the gospel is exactly opposite no that will end in disaster come join yourself to the creator who knows you and made you and walk that day out those days out and you will be blessed c.s lewis said if the god of christianity is false it, he is of no importance if the god of christianity is true he is of infinite importance the one thing that God cannot logically be is moderately important. It is not logical for us to have a casual relationship with God. If he is not there, everybody, we should all go home and never come back. We should not give one hour a year. If he is true, if there really is a God and he knows you and has loved you your whole life and sent his son to pay your way into this he is of infinite importance. And you should be giving him everything you have. It, it, the one thing he cannot be is casual to you. You either get gone or get yourself in. Casual Christianity is the denial of our faith. No wonder the heart and the emotions react with such painful anxiety. It's like a fever telling you something's wrong. There's an infection going on. Your heart is not home yet. You have not gone all the way home, and so you cannot rest. When you were little, did you play baseball, and your coach tell you, now you run all the way to first base. You run all the way till you get to that base. You don't stop short of that. Well, I say to Christianity, to Christians, run all the way home now. Run all the way home to this Savior till he has every part of you. It's what he's always said he wanted. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's not changed the rules on you. He's simply calling you to do what he's always said you must do. And if you have anything held back, it will be the place that will break your heart. So get yourself safe. 
get all the way home. Don't go to church. Dwell. David in verse 4 says, I, One thing I've asked from the Lord, I want to dwell there. And I don't think he wanted to live at the temple. I think he wanted to stay always with a sense of his center and identity being Jesus. At work, at home, in his neighborhood, he wanted to settle this thing. I would belong to this great God again through Jesus Christ. Jesus used to say the same. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want and it'll be done. Uh, the, the only time Christianity works is when this pre-requirement is met. He has told you what he's expecting from you. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to be all there. You don't have to have be able to say, I've got no sins that need to be covered. There's plenty. But you cannot hold back part of your heart. You go dwell there. Stay there. Stay with him. And you see if you don't get remarkably different outcomes. 34 years ago, I asked Holly to marry me. And I, I did not want part of her heart or part of her years, some of her years. In our recent move, we've moved to a condominium, and she found the diary of those first months of our dating. It's been terrifying to read it. <laughs> I'm amazed and humbled at her words and how clearly she understood what was coming, that I was about to ask her to marry me that she would go on this long and joyful journey of our whole lives together. What if I said to you, that's what God's asking from you this morning? Come marry me. Let's join our lives together and do this for the rest of our lives. What would your answer be? Would you say, oh, I get it. I've stayed too distant from you and asked for you to bless my independent life, but I never gave you all of me and made us one. What about when life was hard? What about if it got hard? Would you wait on him like verse 14? There have been days in my life I did not know what God was doing. I didn't understand the pain that I was feeling. Would you stay faithful to God if life got hard? So then, third, so you seek his face. You stay at it, number three, then you stand. There will be a moment where you say, okay, then I'm going to stand on this place for the rest of my life. Part of every Christian story is warfare. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I have trouble finding that these days. I feel, see a lot more Christians who are intimidated and they're kind of in crash position. They're kind of hunkered down. They don't really... But I, I see fewer of them who have repented of their passivity and they are standing. They're the ones, Paul says, you put on the armor of God. You put a shield on your arm and a sword in your hand. You take the, the salvation that will cover you. And you stand up now. You stand for him. And you resource all that he's given you in Christ. And you stop letting this world take everything away from you. And so you 
seek his face, you stay at it. And there'll come that moment where you say, I, I'm going to take my stand right here. Um, you used to be a sheep. And then you became a son. And then you become a soldier. And you say, I'm, I'm not going to do it this way anymore. It's a strange paradox, isn't it? That uh, passive Christians don't ever finally learn this. I will tell you, everybody... You run for cover in the next days and the enemy's going to take your children away from you and all your promises. You run for cover and the enemy senses fear. He's like a horse. He knows when you're afraid and he, he senses it. But he also senses when you finally say, no, I'm, I'm way tired of being tired. I'm way tired of being defeated. I will stand now on the things that God has given me. I will be brave. It's a strange paradox of, the, of our um, faith that if you fear the Lord appropriately, all the other fears leave you alone, or at least to the extent that they would control you. It's a strange alchemy. You begin to want only the Lord and his approval, and the approval of everybody else goes away. Uh, Isaiah 8. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. and He shall be your fear and he shall be your dread. And then he will become your sanctuary. Once you fear the Lord, you feel safer with him than anyone else. Once you settle this and fear only his approval, then you don't feel safer with anybody. He's where you rest. And so, so I'm going to ask you this morning if the Holy Spirit cleared that in your mind as to what you must do to make this right, would you do it? We cannot gather in this room with our own agendas and tell God how we want the Christian church to develop. The gospel has to always take over and say to us, come again and again, children, to this place, join your life to mine. Um, if you heard your friend David this morning say to you, I'm not your critic, I've certainly been where you are. I've been beaten by the same fears, captured and controlled. But I am telling you there's a better way to do life. And that is to join your life to the eternal God. And one of the first signs of it is going to be that the fears begin to drain away. Ready? Let's pray. How many of you are hearing the Lord this morning and you could say to him, speak to me, Lord, help me. Help me know what you want. I, I am tired of telling you what I want. I want your face. I want your face of approval in my life. I want to see you smile on me. I want you to see that I've accurately understood what you're asking and have done what you are asking me to do. Nobody brings in a faultless life to this room. Nobody brings in a, a, an unbroken life. But all of us have this tremendous treasure of the Holy Spirit seek chasing us down, trying to rescue us. So say to the Lord, if you'll speak to me, I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'll, I'll do it. In a moment, we'll stand and we'll sing a hymn of invitation. Um, I ask you to make decisions publicly because that's how the Lord asks people. He called disciples in public and said, you follow me, and expected them, if they were at that right point, that they would obey. In a moment, you can come and kneel here 
and name the thing that has been stealing your joy. Name it. Hold it before this great God. Say, teach me this life. I would live this life. You may confess before him, I have always been satisfied to be a partial Christian. I thought that was enough. I thought it would get me to heaven. Uh, today you heard the gospel. That's never been what he wanted. Others of you come today to present yourself for church membership. You believe that God has called you to be a member here. I believe that too. Um, a church that will teach you God's word and challenge you and stretch you. Some of you need to come and receive Christ by a simple prayer of faith. I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. I invite you to come into my life and save me. That's how it began for me nearly 50 years ago. I'll help you pray that prayer if you're not yet a believer and would be. Come, I'll help you do that. Lord Jesus, bless this time of invitation. Give your people courage. For that's how you intended us to live. In your name, amen. Let's stand together. I'll meet you at the front as you make decisions as the Holy Spirit guides you. You come, you come.
I think you finished the song, but I don't think we finished this invitation. I want you to sing that last verse again. I want you to shout this truth. This is not a truth the world remembers anymore. That Christians are supposed to be strong and brave. Humble, we don't have any reason to be strong in ourselves, but we have lots of reasons to be strong in Jesus Christ. If you are still struggling, I will tell you, you will never regret trusting Jesus, ever. So if you're still struggling, we're going to sing one more verse, and you come, and I'll help you. We'll all help you together. Sing. Sing one more verse. Seated. Just, I will stop preaching, but that song said, To him that overcometh, the crown of life shall be. Don't you let somebody sell you a cheap gospel. This gospel gives your heart to the Lord, every bit of it for the rest of your days. To him that overcometh, God says, Well done. Get in this fight, everybody. We're glad. We're going to receive the morning offering and do so with joy. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child.
All the choir sang that song. I was thinking about Abraham. God saying to him, get out of the place that you know. I'm going to take you to a place you don't know. And I'm certain at times he felt like he was a long way from getting there. But the truth was, he was just this close. He was just, he was about to build a brand new nation. And so, uh, come on, you guys come, come on up. Pretty often, pretty often young couples of this church family bring their babies for us to do a Hannah-like thing to dedicate this baby to the Lord. It's very biblical. We do not baptize babies in this congregation. We wait for you to be old enough to make a profession of faith. It's a, a believer's baptism for us. But we do dedicate because we believe the parents have great power and build to hold this baby before the Lord with gratitude. So come see me. How do I say his name? Carol? Carol with a... Hey, buddy. You are styling. You are... <laughs> You do y'all see this boy? <laughs> no kidding. Um, Aaron is not here to appreciate the bow tie, but I want to duly note that there's a bow. Sovkopolis Cavazos family. This little boy has been a miracle. Carol um, has done things to you you never knew he would do in your heart. Uh, trained you deeper in the faith, made you want so much to please the Lord that he might bless this little boy. And we're going to join you in that prayer. We're going to hold this baby in the nursery. We're going to take him to children's camp, and we're going to preach the gospel and pray that soon and long he will love Jesus with all of his heart. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this little boy. Um, his mom and dad today do what our whole church does. We present him back to you. We dedicate his life to yours. This is a boy that from their hearts will belong to you from day one. So early guide him to faith. Train his mom and dad to follow you that, they, that he might see it in their lives. And we're grateful, Jesus. We're grateful in your name. Amen. He's had enough of that. <laughs> so, buddy, God bless you. Thank you. I want to call on Cody Knowlton, who's been the chair of our Crossing Forth campaign. He'd like to speak to us. Cody, please. Good morning, church family. I need you to help me with something this morning. Would you all take your hands and form the following little gesture? I think there's a sample in case you can't follow directions. <laughs> so when I was growing up, I saw this a lot from my parents because they would say, you're this close to getting in trouble, young man. <laughs> well, today, this is a good sign, not a bad sign, because we are this close to having all the needed funds to make the 4th Street Crossing possible, which is our new ministry space across the, the, the street. I don't know if you know, but there are thousands of people living, working, visiting our downtown area. I don't know if you've seen the cranes and the construction in our area, but our downtown area is booming. And the 4th Street Crossing is going to be a tremendous ministry space to enable us to outreach to our new neighbors. Thank you to those of you who have made gifts, pledges. We are $825,000 closer to the $1 million goal. Praise God. So for those who have not given, uh, a $25 gift, $100 gift really gets us there because we are very close. So 
find a card at the Ask Me desk, go online, and uh, show it to me one more time, everybody. We are this close. God bless you. I just want credit that I'm doing this off my phone today. I want, you, I want some credit here that I'm doing this off my phone. Thank you. Thank you. That's because I forgot to write it down on my notes. Okay. We rejoice today with our five international congregations because today at 2 p.m. they gather in this room for Judson Day. Adniram Judson arrived in Burma on July the 13th, 1813, and in gratitude, these dear Burmese believers have celebrated that day annually ever since. They celebrated the day that God sent them the gospel through Adniram Judson. So thank you, Wayne Williams and our international pastors. Thank you for the 10 years that we've gotten to be a part of this. And you're all welcome to come today at 2 to celebrate with them if you'd like. Kids camp will leave this Wednesday. Please pray. Please note opportunities to help make backpacks for needy children as they start school. And also to get training for disaster relief. That's in the um, highlights. Um, deacons, please be reminded of an important meeting today at 6 p.m. Welcome to the world, Chase, Griggs, Ward. Lauren and Braxton and Abigail are very glad he is here. And the altar flowers today remember Louise Riley on her birthday. We thank you for the Diamonds and the Rileys for helping us remember your mom. She was godly and prayerful and stable and strong. And we remember her together today. So, Brian, please. This morning, everyone, we have a crowd of people. And uh, so, first up, uh, we have... Now, some of these folks are joining, some have are already members, and some are coming to receive Christ. So, it's all... It's, a, it's the variety pack uh, today. <laughs> Brent and Destiny Meyer... Uh, come to join uh, Carl and Emily. Y'all come on and stand up here. Carl and Emily are already a part of this church, and Cody Prince is coming to receive Christ um, as his Savior, professing that today. Hey, Cody, how old are you? Cody's eight, and he came forward today, and I asked his family, have you received Christ? And he said, and I said, Cody, would you pray today? Somebody showed you how to ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord. He said, yes. And so, welcome home, my brother, and to all of you, to all of you. And also, coming for membership this morning uh, as a baptized believer from another denomination is Carmen Hernandez. Oh, Carmen, <laughs> we know her mother Liz, so Beth, Beth, we know you Beth too. Um, she goes to school just up the road. Texas State University. We're glad you're here. Welcome home. Welcome home. And Taylor Roundtree this morning comes uh, professing faith in Christ and for baptism. 
She came forward with such courage. She was really ready. Again, I said, has this decision already been made or are you just ready to make it? And she said, I'm ready. So Miss Holly sat with her and they've prayed. You continue to pray. You know how this seed is planted deep in the life of somebody and begins to grow. So if you're happy with the pastor to welcome these folks into this fellowship, you promise to be a New Testament church so they can be a part of it. Will you signify by saying I? I. And? We do. We do. Spread that news. Spread that news. There is a church that wants you to hear the gospel. Wants you to rightly relate to God. Okay? Can I have a deacon minister or just a, somebody? Yeah, Jim, please. If you'll carry these folks to the front door, um, we'll then come meet them in just a moment. All you who made decisions, please come and uh, go this way with Jim. In, Who's glad that you were here this morning? Me too. Who's glad that God has called you to be much bigger than you ever would have figured out by yourself? You're, we're to be big, everybody. We started small, but he has resourced us to be strong and bold. So let's stand together and we'll be dismissed.